Hello everyone and welcome back to See the Sunrise. This is season two and episode 13. Seeing the sunrise is about seeing Christ in everyday situations. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3, the Lord spoke to the prophet while he was in prison. He said to him, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Seeing the sunrise is an opportunity to see what God is doing behind the scenes. Sometimes his presence is not keenly evident, but I assure you, he is there. All we need to do is look for him. And I can't think of a better opportunity than now to talk about seeing Christ. After we celebrated Easter, many returned to their normal routines. The palm leaves have been tossed, Lent is done, old patterns and behaviors have returned, and we wait until the next time when we can bring together believers and unbelievers alike to celebrate the risen Christ. But I caution you not to move away too soon because Christ is not all only present at Easter and Christmas, but he is ever present. He's present throughout the year. Believers know this, but even we can become complacent if we're not careful. After Jesus' crucifixion, scripture identifies several sightings of him. According to the Apostle Paul, Jesus was seen by Mary Magdalene. He was seen by his disciples. He was seen at the Sea of Galilee. He was seen by two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He was seen on a mountain in Galilee. He was seen by the Apostle Peter. He was seen by James, his brother, and more than 500 people at the same time. And he even appeared to Saul. Over a 40-day period, he made a number of appearances after his crucifixion and before his ascension. Why were there so many sightings of Christ? There were many sightings of Jesus, but I didn't recall or hear that people were actually searching for him after his death. It's as if death was the final say-so. But they went, when they went searching, they went searching for a body, but they didn't find a body. Those that went and searched for him were, were surprised that they were going to see a miracle. Jesus himself said in John chapter 2 and verse 9, he said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. But in order to understand what Jesus was saying, you had to really believe Jesus was God's son and you'd have to believe in miracles. If you're using your natural mind, you would have to say it's impossible for a man to be raised from the dead. We're not talking about a natural man, however. Jesus was anything but natural. Jesus lived and died but he did what no one else could do. He was resurrected from the dead. To believe such would call for experience or an encounter with God that left you so amazed that you know without a doubt that no one could have done it but Christ alone. Before I became a believer, I had doubts. Doubts because I had to understand the when, the where, the why, and the hows of how things came into being. When I look at all of the devastation in the world, the poverty, the injustice, the abuse, in my mind, how could there be a God? But I examined my own life and I, my own experiences, and I juxtaposed them with the message of Christ. What I found was that the world, the hate, the evil, the hurt, the disappointment, those were all man-made, not God-made. And when I saw that, I saw the part that I played in all of it. No, I didn't choose the family I would be born, nor the circumstance I was circumstances I would face. But I'm able to see how God defined a purpose for me in all of it, in my life events that 
placed me in situations that if I had not had those experiences, I would not be able to help someone else. No, it is not the way most people would want to experience Christ. But if it propels his message, then it's all worth it. And you can only say this if and only if you have truly experienced a born again experience. If you have sincerely encountered Christ. To be born again is not about natural birth. It's about spiritual renewal. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When Jesus created humankind, man did not come alive until God breathed into him. And then and only then, the word says, did man become a living soul. Our soul, the essence of our being, the part that makes you who you are and the part that lives on after you die. Nicodemus in John chapter 3 a religious scholar and a member of the Sanhedrin Council, he didn't understand this. So he went to Jesus for clarity and he asked him, you know, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Being born again is recognizing that we are sinners. And the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means you and me. Sin separates us from God. When someone has been born again, it means we've been born from above. And as such, God imparts to us eternal life. The penalty for sin is death, and we've been delivered from eternal death. It is Jesus who paid the penalty for our sin, and it is Jesus who offers us the opportunity for eternal life. We were never created to die, but our sin, humankind's sin, Adam and Eve's sin, whoever you want to blame, the serpent, whoever, the result was we were separated from our creator. Jesus' discourse with Nicodemus provides great insight into understanding the born-again experience. First, they came to Jesus at night. Why night? There was no reason he should fear because he was part of the Jewish ruling council, a person of authority. Did he really want to know or was he trying to see if Christ was inferior to him or one, someone who shouldn't be making the statements that he makes about being born again. Or maybe he considered himself better than Jesus, so he didn't want the religious hierarchy seeing him talking to Jesus, a commoner. Who knows? That's my sanctified imagination. Jesus, however, is neither threatened nor challenged by Nicodemus. Instead, he leads him in a discourse that causes Nicodemus to question what he's hearing. Does Nicodemus speak for the entire ruling authority in his inquisitiveness? He uses phrases, phrases like, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher that has come from above, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Who is we when he says we know? Maybe he was their representative. Jesus replied, you have to be born again. He said you have to be born of flesh and you have to be born of spirit. And in fact, he goes on to say, you shouldn't be surprised at what I'm saying. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases and you hear its sound, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And Jesus clears up what it means and challenges Nicodemus further. He said, you are Israel's teacher and you don't understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. Jesus is making sure that Nicodemus understands where all this is coming from and what needs to happen if you really want to experience eternal life. He said, I've spoken to you of earthly things, as Jesus continues, and you don't believe. 
How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus himself asserts that people do not accept our testimony. But Jesus spoke with power and he spoke with authority and he told what he knew, not what he thinks. I'm not trying to convince anyone about what I've experienced, but I'll tell everyone about my experience because it was, as Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And I know in whom I have believed. If someone asks you what born again means, how would you answer them? Every born again believer should have a response to that. Peter exclaimed, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. When I hear that, when I hear that, I hear Peter saying, tell why you believe, tell your testimony. What has God done for you? I must also say, not everyone's going to believe you, but that's okay. Tell your story anyway. You know what God has done for you and you would be surprised at how many people need to hear your story, that want to hear your story. It isn't about convincing anyone. You know what he's done for you and your story has more power than you know. I don't need anyone to confirm what I've experienced. I have no doubt whatsoever of the inner workings of Christ in my life. And people are drawn to the confidence we share in what we have seen and heard. It takes faith to believe and that is faith by spirit. To be spiritually renewed allows you to start all over again. And who wouldn't want a second chance? Think of all the missteps and foolish mistakes you made. And we've all made them. I have too. Jesus is offering us a do-over. I have heard and seen the countless testimonies of individuals who have experienced nothing short of miraculous. And it can't be explained any other way but Jesus. I've seen healings. I've seen deliverance from substance abuse. I've seen relationships restored, marriages healed, finances replenished, replenished, and so, so, so much more. What have you seen? And what have you heard? What has Jesus done for you? The Bible is filled with testimonies. I'm reminded of the woman who had the issue of blood or the woman at the well who was just internally just longing and didn't even know she was empty inside and she needed the water of Christ. I'm reminded of blind Bartimaeus and Jairus' daughter. I'm reminded of the centurion's servant and Peter's mother-in-law. Or the fisherman who hadn't caught any fish. The healing of the mute demon-possessed man. These All these are testimonies. The healing of the leper. The healing of the paralyzed man. The healing of the widow's son. Jesus calming a storm. Healing two blind men. Healing the 38-year-old invalid. Feeding 5,000 men and their families. Healing a man born blind catching a fish with a coin in its mouth, healing 10 lepers, raising Lazarus, cursing a fig tree, need I say more? What has God done for you? These stories, their stories are miraculous. Their stories are clear. These are just some of the miraculous deeds of Christ. They're testimonies of what Jesus did for them. And so it is important that you share yours. I'd like to leave you today with a story from John's gospel in chapter nine. It starts with uh, verse one. It says, as he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, she said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. 
While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Shalom. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open? They asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Shalom and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and I now see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they returned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes. It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received the sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how can he see now or who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Listeners, never be reluctant to tell what Jesus did for you. Tell your testimony. Until next time, God bless you and be sure to see the sunrise, to see Christ in your everyday situations.